What's up, everyone? You're listening to At The Bridge Pod, episode 18. Today, we're going to be reviewing our 2-0 win over Brighton in the Premier League, as well as getting off and running in the Champions League with our 2-1 win in Lille. I am your host, Mikey, and joining me, as always, is my co-host, Chris. So let's get this episode on the road. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of At The Bridge Pod. I am your host, Mikey, and joining me, as always, is my co-host, Chris. How are you doing today? How are you doing today? I'm okay, my friend. How are you? I'm good. I am in a podcast mood. I've got my uh, Giorgino shirt on. I'm in yeah. a I'm in a good frame of mind. That's so, good. so this week the free kick pod, our friends over in America, released their episode in which I am a guest on. So you can check that interview out by following the link in this episode's description. We have got news, Ooh. which is always fun. Hit me with uh, the news. Frank Lampard. He's <laughs> Frank Lampard has been nominated for September Manager of the Month in the Premier League, alongside Eddie Howe of Bournemouth, Jurgen Klopp at Liverpool, and obviously Brendan Rodgers at Leicester. So if we take a look at Lampard's record for September, it reads as three played, two wins, which came against Brighton and the 5-2 victory over Wolves, the defeat coming against Liverpool. Well-deserved, I'd say. Still mm. a tough, it's a tough competition. There's tough competition there to win the award. I, I don't think he's going to win it. No, I agree. I agree. I think it's probably going to be Klopp. I don't know. I think Brendan Rodgers might win it, potentially. Maybe. But it's, I think it's decided by the fans. I think you vote, because I voted oh, Lampard today. So oh, okay. And usually, well, usually, if it was an arse, if it was you and I, Emery, he'd probably win. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's kind of how it works. That's very but, true. That's very I true. mean, he won it for August, uh, Jurgen Klopp did. So, you know, I think it's time to spread the award out, you know. Yeah, I think I think Rodgers will win it, personally. I'd love to see Frank get it, but I'm a realist. I think I think Brendan Rodgers should get it anyway. Well, yeah, I mean, he's, he's, he did some incredible... He, he's, he's done himself no harm this month. It's been an incredible month for Leicester, really. Yeah, it really has. I mean, look, obviously, we're not part of Player of the Month... That goes to the FIFA fan base to decide. So that's going to be fun. Mm. For, for that, I think it would probably be between maybe De Bruyne and Aubameyang. But it's going to be whoever the whoever wants the best card, isn't it? That's kind of how that works. I mean, as, as a FIFA player, I think I'd probably rather Aubameyang. But I wouldn't complain at De Bruyne, to be honest. Well, goal of the month has got two Chelsea nominees in. You've got Ooh. N'Golo Kante for his goal against Liverpool. Yes, and for Keo Tomori for his goal against Wolves. Mm. So, some I great goals there. Personally, for me, if a centre-back scores from 30 yards out, he wins it already. <laughs> like, yeah, I mean, he he's got to win it. He's got competition from Jetro Williams to Newcastle. Uh, mm-hmm. Southampton's Musa Genpo, Jeff Hendrick of Burnley, Madison against Tottenham. Creswell against United and Trent against us. Personally, I voted for Tamori because I thought it was just a ridiculous once, potentially a one in a million, one in a lifetime sort of goal. I mean, it, you know, they're just one of them breathtaking moments. So, well, he, he said after the game, he said he tried loads of them in training and he hit it thirty yards over the bar. So, I mean, that shows how good of a goal it really was. And I think he sh- should get it to be honest. But Engolo Kante's was an incredible goal special, as well. Special goal. Yeah. So, yeah. We're heading into an international break. Yay. Yay. So that means the England squad has been announced and there are call up there. There's no Jesse Lingard. 
Yay! This we've got um, we've got some call-ups for the Chelsea squad uh, from the Chelsea squad. Even we've got Tammy Abraham, well deserved, definitely. We've got that goal of the month contender for Keo Tamori, truly deserved, definitely. Mason Mount and Ross Barkley round up the uh, the four names on that sheet from our club, and we've got more players in the squad than Tottenham Hotspur. Just saying, and Liverpool. I think I, Potentially, yeah, I think so. I think we've got four. Liverpool have got three. And I think, yeah, I think we've got the most most England players in the squad, I think. Might be wrong. I I don't pay much attention to international football unless it's when it, well, when we get the tournaments going, Nations League, Gold Cup, Euros, etc. How do you feel that if if they will play a part, obviously, that those four are going to do for the England team, this, I mean, these qualifiers? I think, uh, rightfully or wrongly, I think the person who's probably going to play the most out of the four of them is actually going to be Ross Barkley, even though he's probably the one that is in the least amount of form, really. Um, I think Mount may get a start this time round, and I think Tamori and Abraham will come off the bench at some point, but I don't think they'll get any starts. But yeah, I think Barkley will probably start both games. Well, interestingly, they're both away fixtures. They're against mm. the Czech Republic and Bulgaria. Yeah, personally, not good places to go. To be honest. <laughs> personally, I just just want our players to come back fully fit. That's yeah, yeah. You know, big worry. I mean, but Tammy Abraham, he let's cut with obviously Mason Mount was in the previous squad as well as Barkley, yeah. but yeah. focusing on Abraham and Tamori, two incredible months they've had in September, and they deserve these, these call ups. They truly do. And Tamori especially, I'd say. I mean, Tamori for me has been absolutely unbelievable since he's come into the squad. He doesn't look out of place at all. I mean, midweek we'll go into it a bit later, but he was just superb. He looks so, so comfortable in that it, team. And I think once you put him in the England team, he'll look comfortable in there. And I believe, it, you know, he'll, he'll be an important player for England for many years to come. I mean, just looking at those those three particular names, obviously Abraham, Tamori and Mount, they were plying their trade last season in the Championship the yeah. second tier of English football. And they've stepped up into the Premier League. They have taken it by storm. They have been incredible. And all three of them, if you'd have said a year ago that these three championship loanees are going to be key players in the Chelsea squad, people have just took the mick. But they have been incredible. And I'm so happy for them, not only because they're great, great guys, but obviously coming from the academy, they've finally shown that you can get from the academy into the Chelsea first team. If you're I good mean, enough. A lot of credit has, uh, has got to go to them. I mean, they're, they're hardworking, they're professional. And when the time has come to actually get a chance at Chelsea, they've took it by storm. Every single one of them has played really, really, really well. Mount started on fire in the Premier League. Abraham has got eight goals now this season, which is an incredible return so far. And Tamori, even though he's only just got in the Chelsea team, has, has been superb. And, you know, you've got to give a lot of credit to them. You've got to give a lot of credit to Lampard. And like I said last week, you've got to give a lot of credit to the championship and the level of football in that league. It's a ridiculously competitive league, as we know. Many, It is one of the best leagues to watch. Obviously, we have a lot of American listeners. Honestly, the championship, if you don't already watch it, just watch one or two games. It, it can be ridiculously fun to watch. It really can. I mean, there's there's a lot of really, really high-quality players in there. I mean, you've got Pablo Hernandez at these who I've loved for ages now. I mean, he's a superb player for them. You've got oh, loads of teams could easily fit in the Premier League right now in the Championship. That's how good of a level it is. Oh, 100%. 100%. And also, spinning off 
with regards to Tamori and Abraham, both of them are apparently very close to agreeing new five-year contracts, according to Sky Sports. So again, another huge boost because these these guys could be key for the next, well, five years. They really could be a huge core part of our squad. And it, that's only a good thing. I mean, if, if I'd have asked you at the start of the season that Mount, Abraham and Tamori will be key players for us and we'll be signing new deals, what would your reaction have been? It would it would have been oh that's nice keep them keep them in the squad you know you never know I would not have expected Tamori especially because I know he won championship the Derby's player of the season last year but he just wasn't a player we had David Luis of course Rudiger Christensen I didn't really see where he would have been able to fit into that team on a consistent week in week out basis obviously sliding doors moment as I've mentioned on previous episodes mm. David Luis leaving has been incredibly incredibly positive for Tamori. But the point is, Tamori's been given that chance and he's taken it. And he's now, you can't think of our defence without him in it. And when you think of him and potentially Rudiger as a partnership, wow, I'm just, I'm looking forward to the that that day. I really am. No, I totally agree. And to be fair, like, like we've said and gone over on previous episodes, I don't think anyone would have signed new contracts if Sarri was still in charge. I don't think anyone would have got game time. 100%, 100%. Right, first up, We've got our game. First game review is our 2-0 victory over Brighton. Now, obviously, this isn't the first time I've spoken about this game this week, because if you follow the Chelsea Echo, you'll have heard my views earlier on this week on their podcast. So we won 2-0. A clean sheet. Yeah. A clean sheet. Finally, which was so close because Alonso nearly, uh, I think it hit his head and it nearly went in. But it went off the bar. So we're fine. We're fine. We're all good. We're all good. How do you feel that game went in general before we go on to a few key points about it? I mean, yeah, it was a good performance, very professional performance. I don't think in the first half we played to our best, but we got through it. We had a good second half. We kept a clean sheet, so there's not much else you can say about that. Yeah. Um, you know, the key people I've picked out, I've got Jorginho, a strong performance. Yeah, yeah agreed. I always a love-hate relationship I've had with his penalties. You know, but <laughs> we scored a penalty as well. Let's let's get that out there. Finally, the thing is and... with, his, with his penalties. Just going back to that penalty uh, again. Um, when he jumps, I can't remember who said this now, but when he jumps, he almost puts the keeper off. Like the keeper doesn't know which way he's going, and he almost sort of makes him stick to the ground almost, and then he'll put it either side. That's why you don't see many keepers save his penalties. Yeah, that is that is very true. And he's obviously shown it for the national team as well. Mm-hmm. And he's he's yeah. done it for Italy. So it's 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 a good technique. When it goes yeah. bad, it goes bad. But it, yeah. Not, yeah, it does he seems to have taken that mantle on from Hazard with unstoppable penalties, which is brilliant, really, considering the uh, fiascos we've had with penalties. Definitely. You know, he was my man of the match. You know, he was like mm-hmm. watching a conductor at a symphony. It, it was a masterpiece, you know, a top, top performance. Yeah. Another, another top performance, which obviously we've spoken about him already, Tamori. He looks like a seasonable pro. The yeah, whole I mean, defence did, but he stood out incredibly so. Yeah, I mean, he just looks so comfortable and he reads the game so well. He's almost John Terriesco. He reads the game. And he he doesn't look out of position. He he's so strong in the air, and he gets his tackles perfectly right all the time. He's not rash. And for a young, I mean, how old is he now? Twenty one, is he? I think he's around that. I I can just yeah, quickly have I mean, a Google. Even so, he's got such a good temperament for a centre back at that age, and he'll only get better. He really really will only get better. Yeah, he turns twenty two this year, and he was born in Canada. So there's yeah, a fun fact. That. Yeah, I saw fun that, yeah. fact for you there. Yeah. But um, yeah, I mean, obviously another 
centre back. He was partnership for the day was Andreas Christensen. Solid. I'm glad yeah. his injury wasn't serious, as I am with all players, no matter what club. But obviously, he can be a key part of our defence, especially with Rudiger out. Mm. You know, on that note as well, with injuries, it felt like the first game of the season where we actually didn't actually suffer any. Yeah, yeah, you're right was, there. Yeah, which was which was really nice. It was oh, a clean sheet and no injuries. You know, always pleasant. And it was good to see Callum Hudson-Odoi back on the pitch as well. Very much. I mean, his his substitution did change the game in our favour. You know, he grabbed yeah. an assist as well. Top performance, and it's again. I'm just glad he signed that deal. Oh yeah, me too. I mean, he, he looked so sharp and he did against Lille in the week when he came on as well. And he's, again, such an important player for us going forward. And I'm really glad he's on the 100%. Alonso, you know, he played a wet game because obviously Emerson's injury. He was, mm-hmm. it was, he was up and down. As Plaquetta again, putting a top performance against Brighton. It was like watching for me back to his best. It was the prime version of As Plaquetta. And on that right side, no one was beating him one-on-one. No one. Wow. I know it was Brighton. But the point being, he's just in that frame of mind, in that form that he was unstoppable against Brighton. I mean, on his day, he is up there for one of the best defenders in, in the league. So you can't take that away from him. And he's always so consistent. And, you know, yeah, he's had a bit of stick this season. But when he's on form, he is such a reliable player and he'll never make any mistakes. Yeah. I mean, the thing is, Rasperquetta, when he had that small, awkward few games where he just did not look up to scratch. He looked almost like Ivanovic in the end of his era at Chelsea. He, yes. he looked off the pace, didn't he? Yeah, I mean, there was talk, get him out, get Rhys James in. I understand the logic and we did talk about it and I did say give him time. Yeah. And it's shown, he had that rest, he had that break, obviously the international break. And he's come back and he's performed and it's great to see that our captain, you know, our leader is doing that it week in, week out, like he used to. You know, you don't want to see a player who's done so much for our club and put in so many minutes every season just sort of tail away. You know, it's such a shame. And no, it, I totally it, agree. Totally he's, been, he's been brilliant. Ross Barkley wasn't great, you know. I found mm. his decision-making quite poor, really. He couldn't, yeah. he couldn't spot a pass straight away. It's just so, so strange. It just, it just wasn't a great performance from him. The thing is, Ross Barkley, he has all the technical ability in the world. He's so good technically, but I've always said this about him. He has, his footballing brain just isn't quite there. I mean, you compare his footballing brain to, say, a Fabregas or a Jorginho who can pick a pass without even sort of looking who he's passing to, if that makes sense. He can do it all all day long, whereas Barkley can either dawdle on the ball for too long and lose possession, or he'll try for a Hollywood pass and just not get anywhere near and he just has those lapses of concentration, which just really, really frustrates you because you know he's a good player. He just hasn't just quite got to that level yet in his career. 100%. No one's ever questioned his ability. He's always had mm-hmm. that there. But the point being, he just has these poor games. And whether the penalties got to him as well from the Champions League game against uh, Valencia, I don't mm-hmm. know. But it's just... it. I see him on the team sheet I understand what he brings to the team I would prefer other players get an opportunity in that role but mainly Mount he's not yeah. we, we'll talk about his positioning in the Champions League game against Lille later however Mason Mount is a central player and he needs to play in that centre role and if Ross Barkley's there he doesn't get it no so, I don't however Mason Mount Going on to him, solid performance as ever. He earned the penalty by being smart and capitalising on the defensive error by Webster. 
what else you can say? He was just Mason Mount all over. Another solid performance from him this season in the Premier League. Um, again, that's the difference between Mount and Barkley. If Barkley was um, in Mount's position then, he wouldn't have pressed the ball and wouldn't have won the penalty. Mount just seems to be one step ahead of the game. And that's why he's so clever. And that's why he like, you know, gets in those pockets of spaces for the goals he scores. That's why he wins penalties. That's why he sets up goals. Because he's just that one step ahead of, the, uh, of his opposition. And again, for such a young lad, like, that is really, really promising to see. And again, he'll only get better. And it's to- Totally agree. Another player had a great, he's had a great week for us. Willian, another, a, a yeah. goal. It settled the game. Obviously, the assist from Hudson Odoi. Yeah, I, you know I, what? We won't... <laughs> it, it... What, Go what's on. mad about William is that some people will actually be annoyed that he scored two goals. Some weird Chelsea fans will be annoyed that he started for one and got two goals and two games. It's just some Chelsea fans are really, really strange. They just have this vendetta against William, but it's it's really good to see. He's been a good servant, you know, and I'm happy for him. He's played really well. I don't think they'll have to worry for too long because I don't think he's going to be at our club at the end of the season. Well, no, when no. the season ends, I think that'll be the the curtain falling on his Chelsea career. I do yeah. not see him getting a new deal. And even if he did, I don't feel he'll sign it. No, I agree but with that. I agree. Tammy Abraham, he did a lot right. He was unlucky not to have scored. One note I will make, it's so nice to have a striker who isn't offside every five minutes. <laughs> yeah, that's always good. That's always a plus. We had it with Morata famously, Higuain last season. Obviously, if we go quite far back, like Remy. It, it yeah. was just nice. He obviously didn't get on the score sheet this time. Not really a big deal. He had a de- he did he did a, he had a decent game. With it's regard, good, with, sorry, with with Abraham, it's just good to see a striker that wants to play for Chelsea and wants to work as hard as possible for Chelsea. Whereas Morata and Higuain just looked like it was going through the motions. They looked like they didn't want to be there. But no, Abraham, you know, he wants to be there. And you know, he wants to score goals and help the team one, as much as possible. 100%. Awkwardly, Higuain seems to be doing quite decent at Juventus. And I just thought, where was this version of Higuain when he was on loan at our club? Uh... He's just totally different. He's gone from, he looked like he could not be bothered at our club. No. And then no, at Juventus, it's, oh, I'm going to prove I'm the best again. And I thought, well, that's it's attitudes. And, you know, we've got, that's the key part. We've got such good attitudes in our squad now. Yeah, Unfortunately... Yeah, you know, obviously, positives we've gone through. Good subs again from Frank Lampard and a clean sheet being the huge one. The one thing I will bring up that was extremely frustrating, 24 shots, 10 on target, only two goals. And a penalty was what got us over the line to sort of get us into gear to go on. And I know it's Brighton, but that's the point. It's these games you sort of grind out. We won. Was it an off day? Well, should we be worried that we're not? converting those chances I mean to be fair I mean at the start of the season I was worried that we weren't wasn't going to score at all really I was really wondering where the goals were going to come from but we've actually surprised us this year because we've scored a lot of goals to be honest it's been the other end where we've had problems so I think yeah he missed a few chances but I think it was just an off day I mean Abraham on another day would have got a hat trick but it's just one of those days and we got the results so I mean that's the main thing really yeah, that's sort of how I felt about it myself. Mm. The clean sheet the clean sheet for me is the huge positive we have to take out this game because we just didn't do it. We haven't got clean sheets consistently, even at all. One, I mean, it's not no. great. It's getting better. Talking of clean sheets, we didn't get one again in our next game. So with that, we move on to our Champions League victory against Lille in France. Now, 
this game I did the player ratings for, for the Chelsea Echo, and you can check those out on their website. Links are on our Twitter account. Man of the match. We've, he's had such a brilliant week. It wasn't William. It, it was Tamori. I mean, yeah. wow. I mean, he did make a mistake with the back pass. However, I'm going to just ignore that because he was incredible. Ridiculously brilliant. I mean, you wouldn't have thought that was his Champions League debut, would you? Not at all. Against, did he play against Valencia? Or, no, I don't think he did. No. Well, that's his Champions League debut. And, well, again, he just didn't look at up place. He was so strong. Read the ball brilliantly, to be honest. And to be fair, Zuma was really good as well. I know he could have probably done better for their goal, but I think they were both really, really solid at the back. Well, tell a lie, he did play for, against Valencia. He was in the uh, back three with Christensen and well, Zuma. Even so, his second game in the Champions League, he didn't look out of place. So Not yeah, at all. Super, he was super in performance. Cool. And he deserves the England call up, and I hope he gets. I think I hope he gets a start. If he comes on as a sub, even it's brilliant. It's experience, and it, he's well deserved. We have to see on that. I, you know, looking ahead to those games, be interesting to see. Mm. One thing: clean sheets, zonal marking. Hello, darkness, my old friend. <laughs> I, I've said this on Twitter this week. You know, some people have nightmares about ghosts, monsters. For me, it's a set piece against Chelsea and um, we're zonal marking. It's just, you know, you, you, I always feel apprehensive that we're going to concede. I just wish we'd get rid of zonal marking. I really do. There's three things in life you're guaranteed. Death, Granite Xhaka getting a yellow card and us conceding from a corner. It's just oh, it's over and over. It's just frustrating that it's Groundhog Day on so many levels, every game that we just, just let's just get rid of zonal marking. This you know. is the thing, right? This is the thing. I mean, you could say that Zuma just jumped too early and he missed the header. You could say that. But when you're zonal marking, you've got to take responsibility for that area that you're sort of marking, that zone you're marking. And they don't. No one knows what they're doing, it, it seems. And it just seems as if no one's organising straight away from the corner. When that ball goes out, you need to organise straight away. Get in position. Then you, you sort of mark your area. That's yours. No one gets in. You win the header. You clear the corner. But what's happening is they're not organising soon enough. And it just seems as if they're too deep in the box and the players are getting a run on them. And I don't care who you are, when you've got a run on a defender, it's just impossible for the defenders to keep that ball out. Oh, you're you, also uh, going to get uh, goals. Yeah. Anyone who's got the running start with a jump is always yeah. going to beat the man who's stood still. It's just logic. Yeah, exactly. it, It's frustrating. We'll see how it goes through. I mean, we talked about we've, we've almost every time we concede a goal, it seems that... It is zonal marking to blame. Hmm. And we consistently talk about it. And we may be talking about it in six months' time. I hope not. No. We'll have to but, see. Yeah. Marcus Alonso, he looked okay. Some poor crosses, though. I mean, yeah, it was another, it was an average performance. I mean, some people have praised him for his performance. I did watch the game in four because obviously doing player ratings, I felt he just did okay. You know? He was all right. Yeah, I'd give him like a six out of 10. He got up and down. But yeah, he just. It, what annoys me with Alonso is when he, he's running back, he looks like he's just jogging. He doesn't look like he's putting the effort in. Yeah. Uh, another player who had a weird... It, this was a very uncharacteristic performance. N'Golo Kante, he had a weird first half. Better second half. And I sort of am blaming it on getting back into full fitness because obviously he's been on and off with injuries. It was yeah, just a strange... I think, I think the midfield just had a strange first half. I think... Jorginho didn't get on the ball as much and Kante couldn't quite sort of get on the ball as much and drive through midfield. 
it was just an awkward first half. And I just, once they started to get on the ball more, the game opened up and we controlled the game a bit more. It was just that first 40 minutes, we couldn't seem to get them in the game. Yeah, it was just an overall, just strange, really. I mean, mm. Mason Mount, poor game from him as well. He did start on the wing, which I mentioned earlier, and mm. that is not his best position. You know, no. I gave him a six out of 10. And that's, it sounds harsh. And, but the point was, many fans on Twitter were saying he got subbed off on 87. Many would argue it should have been way earlier. His positioning, he just was played on that left side. Once he moved to his central role in the second half, he performed better. And it just yeah. shows play him in that position. You mm, know, I agree. I agree. And another one who was poor, but now hear me out, it was William. <laughs> okay. But he, he grabbed the winner. Yeah. So naturally, he's he goes from his six rating to like much higher. I gave him a seven, and it was his three inch appearance for Chelsea, which is incredible milestone, really. You know, realize how long he's been at our club. But that mm. first half, I was watching. He just performed some fancy flicks, back heels, and they often found a Lille player more than a teammate. See, and I actually it, thought he played all right. I thought, well, yeah, he said those flicks and that, but I'm just. That's what I expect from William, to be honest. But once he got on the ball and ran up players, he looked really dangerous. He just didn't really have much of an end product in that first half. Yeah, I, c- I can see the total argument. I mean, the winning goal redeemed him for me. Mm. You know, that's he's an experienced head and he does well. He does yeah. do well. But it was the fancy flicks. I think they just li- they little they got me wound up, and I thought, stop your killing plays. And he was also, we were, I think we were counterattacking at one point, and he killed our counterattack, and then obviously. Leo went up the other end, got their set piece and scored. So that's kind yeah. of what came into my thinking. Tammy Abraham, birthday boy with the goal. Great finish. And it's great again to say we have a clinical striker. Yeah, I mean, that. I think what was better than the finish was the actual first touch that he had that just set it for him. I mean, that first touch was sensational because Tamori really did fizz that ball in. And it was such a composed finish from him. And it, yeah, like you said, I don't think Morata would have scored that. And I don't know if Iguain would have scored that. To be honest, so it is really good to see a clinical striker. I can't imagine. I, I think they'd have both been offside. Well, yeah, <laughs> so, that's how it works. Uh, you know, he scored the twenty. It was uh, his twenty-second birthday, and he scored in minute twenty-two. Yes, so that's pretty, that. pretty cool, pretty cool. But it was just a, his hold-up play wasn't the best in that game. But the no. point being, you know, he's just rewarding Lampard by showing, being shown faith in, and again. Tammy Abraham and a goal and it's just great to see no I totally agree and yeah there's been some games where his hold up play hasn't been the best but it'll only get better at that I mean there's some touches in that first half and second half where I thought well this is like watching Didier Drogba throwing off those other times where he lost the ball quite easily which is something he'll have to work on but the signs are there I mean he knows where the goal is he definitely knows where the goal is and that, that's good to see and I think it, it, like I said it'll only get better and Lampard will sort of teach him the ways of uh to get more and more clinical in front of goal, which he's already showing. Hopefully so. Um, another player that got a debut, and it was his Champions League debut as well, mm. Rhys James. Yes. Got, got booked early on for a poor challenge, but he looked confident on that right side and he a good few crossed into the box. Wasn't outstanding debut, but hardly a poor one. And that's what you want to see, really. I mean, I, th- I think there's a time, at times he looked a bit rusty, but I mean, his balls into the box were actually quite impressive. I think some of them were superb, really. But yeah. Good performance from him. Not, not out of this world, but not poor by any means. So, yeah, it's a good, good confidence booster for him to get some minutes under his belt. Exactly. Kepper, 
Now, he can't be blamed for the goal. So no. that's, you know, straight up, you know, that's just zonal marking. But he did have me. He made some good crucial saves. But damn, he had my heart in my mouth at times with his sweeper-keeper decisions. They were 99% the right call. Yeah. But they still made me go, oh, oh, my God, what's he doing? Oh, what's he doing? Oh, it's okay. Well, what's he done there? Oh, but it, it worked out well. It, it did, but unfortunately, that's just modern-day uh, goalkeepers for you. You see Edison do it, you see Noy doing it, and yeah, sometimes it'll come off. Sometimes it don't, and when it don't, you're going to look like a fool, really. So it's, it's risky. Wor- but... Yeah, it just worried me because I thought we could be, oh, we could go down here, what we're doing, what we're doing. But it worked yeah. out all right, and he, he had a good game. Yeah, definitely. Which definitely. is it's it's great to see. Obviously, yeah, I agree. You know, obviously a former Chelsea goalkeeper who, you know, I'm not giving him a hard time at the moment because obviously what's come out in the uh, news about, uh, apparently, I don't know if it is anxiety or gastroenteritis with course why it seems to be conflicting reports now. But, you know, hey, we went, we were English side, we went and won a game. In the Champions League, we had to win, which was crucial to us in that group stage, especially after Ajax won. Mm. I mean, yeah, that, goal, that goal from Zayek. That is some hit. That is wow. Some hit. Wow, wow. That, that is an incredible shot. Just yeah. insane. It, it, you need to watch it if you haven't. I really encourage you to go and find that goal. It is one of the best goals of the month. Maybe, maybe that could be a Champions League goal of the season. Ooh. It's that good. It's that you know good. What? Yeah, I agree with that. I think it could be. So, yeah, we were an English side. We went and scored two goals and we didn't then concede seven. So that's oh. all I'm going to say. Oh, tough, tough, week, tough, week some, tough, tough week for some. That is too soon. Tough week for some some uh, London clubs. That Not is us, too uh, soon. See what I did there. Yeah, I, I see what you're doing there. I see what you're doing there. Uh, uh. So with wrapping up our Champions League game review unless you've got any final thoughts on that game or our group no I mean you know it is a must win and is a very professional win much like the Brighton game I think there's areas to improve on I don't think five at the back worked for us midweek but when you switched to four at the back it worked and it was a good win for us time scoring and another Tamori masterclass at the back so yeah good performance exactly what people are forgetting is there's a lot of, there was a lot of pressure on us we're away yeah. and the thing is we had to win that game. Sounds insane, but we had to win that game. Lille yeah. are most likely going to be the bottom team of the group. And if we'd have drawn that game, it just, we need to be winning. And the pressure was on and we stepped up and we got the job done. And it's as simple as that, really. Exactly. Exactly. So next up, we're away again. We're at St. Mary's in game week eight mm. to play Southampton. Yes. How do you feel the team lineup's going to be for this one? Any changes from the Champions League game? I'm I'm expecting Reese James obviously to fall to the bench. Yeah, I agree. I think he'll probably play four at the back this week against Southampton. Um I think it'll be Alonso, Tamori, and Christensen with Aspid right back. I think Kante will start with Jorginho. I think Mount will play. I think William will play. I think Hudson O'Doy will play. I really want to see Hudson O'Doy start this weekend ahead of think, Pedro or William. Yeah, I agree. I totally agree. And I think it'll be Abraham up front. Yeah, I, it's got to be Abraham. He's in form. He's our yeah. he's our number nine. It would be nice to see Pulisic get a shot. Obviously, I've spoken about him on previous pods. I've wrote an article on him. I, I just want to see him get that chance. I'm sure he will. And I have 100% faith. But he can always change a game with his pace. And he may do so this weekend. 
You know, when they're, the legs are starting to tire in the second half, he may be brought on and he may change the game and it might give him that platform to go on leaps and bounds for not just the Premier League season, but our cup competitions, which will be great for him and obviously another key player to our squad, really. No, I couldn't agree more. And to be fair, I was thinking about this uh, earlier on, actually. I mean, people forget that maybe a bad comparison, but Fabinho last year when he moved to Liverpool, big money signing, club didn't play for a large amount of time. It that is true. A long while before he got into that first team and now down in his place. Now look at him, he's probably one of Liverpool's most important players, really. You know, Pulisic, he's only young. He's had a long season last season. You've got to give him a bit of time. And he has played this season. Some games, he has performed poorly. Yes, he should maybe get more chances than he has in the past couple of games. But I'm sure Lampard is talking to him all the time, telling him where he needs to improve. I'm sure he will improve. I'm sure he'll get more games on as the season goes on. Exactly. Going head-to-head with Southampton, they've only won two of their last 20 Premier League meetings with us, drawing six and losing 12. They're winless in the last seven. Gives us hope. Southampton are always a tricky side, even though they have obviously gone down degraded over time over the past few seasons after selling players we've won nine of the last 12 visits to St Mary's drawing two and losing one we've won the last four I'm quite confident yes key matchup yeah key matchups it it, oh I don't I don't know where the key matchups are going to be in regards to their team because I mean it's a difficult one for me to say really on this I've always been a big fan of James Ward-Prowse and I think it (laughs) This can sound weird, but his corners could really be dangerous for a starting set piece. Oh, always. And with Hoiberg as well. Uh, he's a very dangerous set piece taker. So that could be <laughs> our main problem against Southampton. They've got big centre backs who can hurt us from set pieces. I mean, they've got Vestergaard, he's about six foot ten. Yeah, exactly. Vestergaard, yeah. sonal marking, set pieces. That's the worry for this game, I feel. Yeah, I mean, I think we can definitely, definitely get a result here. I mean, we should win by all means but 100% I'd feel yeah. that we have to win this game because yeah, it's a game that we're expected to win and that yeah. sounds so stupid but that is we are Chelsea Football Club we are fighting for European places we're not mid-table no exactly and you Sim- on our current form we should be able to beat Southampton pretty easily yeah we lost to Liverpool obviously in our last five games yeah. we're on a winning streak of three matches now because obviously beating Grimsby Brighton and Lille we should be we should win this game quite well yeah. you know Southampton haven't been great this season I'd say not really I mean they are 14th in the table with two victories one draw mm. and four defeats mm. they've I mean, pick, picked up in form in the last three games winning two and drawing one but still point remains I think where they will be dangerous is they do like to press so we need to move the ball very quickly get it through Jorginho pick his spaces and just hopefully beat the press. And then I think we'll get a lot of space in behind. Vestergaard is very, very, very poor defensively. I don't, don't rate him at all. So if you can get him behind him, I think we will get a lot of space. And I think uh, we will get a few goals. Well, their victories have come against, their points, so to speak, sorry, have come against Brighton, who were down to 10 men for quite a lot of that game. Yeah. They drew against Man United. Man United, yeah, yeah we lost 4-0, we know. But yeah. They're, yeah. they're, they're awful. And their other victory was against Sheffield United, who, again, were down to 10 men. So if we keep 10 players on the pitch, we should, we should be all right, really, with this one. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I do worry 
because you know I just always worry with Chelsea games, but I think we should win. We should win. Yeah. How do you see Southampton fair in this season? Who do you feel stood out? I mean, for me, I feel if they can get Che Adams scoring, they may be. Yeah. They've got. He was brought in to sort of share that burden with Danny Ings, and it just hasn't hasn't worked out yet for him. No, I mean they need him to score really because I do feel they are lacking goals. I know Danny Ings is a good player and he, he does get goals for him, but it's a lot of pressure because. They don't have many goals anywhere else, really. So they need to get him scoring. I, I think they will struggle. I do like their manager. I do you like? Uh, yeah, Hassenhutel. Yeah, yeah, Ralph so. Hassenhutel. Yeah, so I think they'll be down the bottom. I say in the range of fifteenth to seventeenth. I I can't see them getting into mid table this season. I feel that obviously a bit like many teams in the league, as well as ourselves, they're going through that transition where they're learning that new trade. Mm. new game style under a new manager. They will come good again, I am 100% certain. They've got an incredible academy. They've shown that. Yeah, very true. So, with Hassan Hootel, I feel that they're going to do well. Maybe not this season, but, you know, you'd expect them to finish, like you said, around that 14th mark. That's a fair sort of shout. So, Yeah. yeah, and then obviously we go into that international break. So, that's pretty much it for our game preview of Southampton. We're going to our games to watch in our extra time segment. Now, after my totally abysmal picks <laughs> from last weekend, yeah. where Galatasaray and Fenerbahce and the Madrid derby ended nil-nil, they were yeah. poor games. Just to, you know, just to show the All Black save from Benzema's header was one of the saves of the season. I didn't so see I, that actually. It's a that. it's an incredible save. I will set, I'll fire it over after we finish recording. It is brilliant, yeah. and I, it didn't redeem the game a little. It redeemed no. it two percent, but it was ridiculous. But you know, and I I kind of proved it again that I could not pick games at all this week. I watched. Uh, oh, what was the game? Uh, I think it was whoever PSG played. Did they play Galatasaray? Yes, they did. That was one nil. That was. Awfully boring for me. I didn't enjoy that game. So this weekend, there's only one place I can go, and that is to Italy, to Ooh, the Serie A, okay. for Ooh. the biggest game of the season, Inter versus Juventus. Conte oh, yeah. versus Sarri, Lukaku versus Ronaldo. Huge tie. How do you see this one going? Oh, that is... Uh, I think it'll be a draw. I hope it's not a nil-nil, because I don't... No, not nil-nil again. And I... I uh, I reckon it'll be one-one. I just want—I just want to see a really good game with good goals. As long as it's not a nil-nil, I'm sure you'll be happy. How how Conte's been show, developing his interside? I saw when they played—was it who did they play this week? Was it Barcelona? Yes, it was. Yes, yeah. they were there. There was a bit of play where it produced a great save from Stegen. I saw that actually. Yeah, yeah, unbelievable. Wow. Yeah, that that is incredible play. Let's not underestimate this against Barcelona. I've, you know what? I think. A lot of fans, a lot of our fans, anyway, really, really gave Conte a hard time for no reason. I thought he's a brilliant manager, tactically very, very good. And you know, he didn't play bad football under him. I know he was very defensive, but when he got playing and got space, we weren't actually that bad. We played really good football at times. Yeah, I just as long as it's not nil nil, I've had a little bit of a bad streak with these games. I mean, Thursday night football in the NFL. Every time I do the predictions each game week on the uh, Gridiron website, and every time, whoever I've picked, the other team has lost, has, has won. And I was for four weeks, you know, the fourth week, obviously, it happened. Well, I was just getting so sick of it. This is obviously in the NFL, if any of our listeners follow it. Game week five, I 
my team played last night, Seattle Seahawks. They played the LA Rams. And obviously, part of me was like, go for the Rams because you know Seahawks are weird. I thought, no, I'm not going against my own team. I picked Seattle. We did, we did it. We broke the streak. We broke my streak of predictions. And we got a crucial win in that game. And I was very happy this morning to wake up to a 30-29 victory. I'm hoping that my streak of poor games to watch ends this weekend with Inter Juventus being an incredible firework cracker of a, a match. You know, we'll have to see. You just want a goal, don't you? You just want a goal. Just one goal. It'd be, just be lovely, you know. <laughs> Obviously, that brings us into yet another international break. Are you as excited as I am for this one? <laughs> Yeah, no. Yeah, I'm sure you are. It gives us time, obviously, here to sort of sit back and look at a topic for next week. Yeah. Now, next week, we'll be likely catching up with Carlo Conte and Sarri and seeing how their sides have done in Serie A and how they're performing. Then the week after that, it's likely going to be another cult hero. We'll keep that topic a secret for now. We've got, we know who it's going to be. So yeah. some some research for Chris and I to do going into that. Questions. We have a question. I know you've got a question. I did a quick I bit a of I did a quick bit of research before the uh, pod started on this. I've got mine set up. Go on, ask the question. Right then. So, what is your favourite football boots of all time? Oh, now, just uh, pulling up the little Google search I got. Mine are from two thousand and four. Oh, what a what a year that was. <laughs> you, uh, I think we all know what happened in that Premier League season. We do. We do. Yeah, I am uh, just had to double check I wasn't incorrect and said that the unbeatables was the season before. It wasn't. That was when uh, Arsenal <laughs> went unbeaten. Yeah, it would have been. Yeah. Obviously, we finished second. Great season. Great, great season for us. But anyway, football boots. Lost track of time there. Football boots, <laughs> 2004. Yes. Nike. Yes. Air, Zoom, total 93 football boots. The lovely Burgundy edition. Oh, that is such a good I hope, one. I hope you know what I'm on about. I think I know what ones you're on about. Yeah, they were just... Uh, uh, Lionel Messi wore them, Rooney, Iniesta and Torres. They were just so, so nice. They were released for Euro 2004. And I just... I just, just so nice. Obviously, I'm a big fan of the colour red. And they were a dark wine red. They were just lovely. They just yeah. They really, are nice. really nice. They are very nice. Very, what, very nice. What about for yourself? See, I'm a bit torn here. I, I used my first pair of football boots that I got bought for me were the white and gold total ninety boots, which I loved. Ooh, I loved them, but yes. they're not my favourite. They're not my favourite boots. I must admit, my favourite boots are either the R nines that Ronaldo wore in the 1998 World Cup because I love them. I just think they're iconic. I just love them. Or I think it's the first ever F50s that Adidas released. They were like black with like a blue Spider Man sort of web on the back of them oh okay no i just i loved them loved that pair of boots but i never actually got to wear them. i never actually got to play in them i just loved looking at them i didn't want to get them dirty there's so some boots from the past are so expensive now yeah i mean um, they're ridiculous the predators uh not the predators the accelerators that zidane wore they're going for a lot of money now i can imagine i mean zidane isn't it you know yeah. nostalgia as well my boss has actually got a gold pair of them and he showed me the, me them and I'll tell you what. Oh, God. I was dreaming about them that night. <laughs> well, uh, that might be a great time to uh, call this uh, episode to a close. Off Sorry, that got a bit weird then. Before, you know, I'm losing my mind looking at 2003-04 <laughs> seasons going, oh, we had Crespo. 
Oh, good, good times. And you're all getting a bit excited over football boots. So There's that's, nothing wrong uh, with that. That's no, it's, it's, it's good. It's good. Good, healthy habit. So <laughs> we'll be obviously back next week where we'll be talking about Serie A and Carlo, Conte and Sarri. We'll, we'll obviously be saying that Inter and Juventus will end in a nice 4-4 draw with three red cards and a dog got on the pitch. Naturally. Wow, imagine. Yeah, or a cat. A cat would be great. That's, that's, you don't see cats on the pitch now. I tell you what, drones are quite in fashion. <laughs> so maybe, maybe there'll be a drone incident. Uh, a, a dog or a cat, I'll take either. It'd be great. It'll be great. <laughs> so yeah, we'll see you next week. So yeah, have a great, great weekend and we'll see you on the international break. See you later. We will return next week where we will talk all things Chelsea. So until then, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at, at the Bridge Pod. Thanks for listening, everyone. Until next time. <laughs>